Hey guys, welcome back to Willis Talks, where we talk about all things business, culture, innovation, and living the entrepreneurship lifestyle. In this episode, I catch up with Managing Director of Marketing Humber, Diana Taylor. Diana's got some news about the upcoming Waterline Summit, uh, a campaign that's been set up to tackle decarbonisation in the Humber region, and talks about how we can all get involved in tackling the climate challenge. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe and share, and enjoy. Okay, Diana Taylor, Managing Director of uh, Marketing Humber, otherwise affectionately known as Bondholders in the region. Thank you for coming on the Willis Talks podcast. Also got uh, Rob here, my fellow Dennett comrade. Hi, Um, And so really we're here to talk very much about the Waterline Summit, which uh, we're going to get into in a little bit, but you've got a busy week ahead, so I appreciate you taking the time to come on and jump on and talk about it. Firstly, if you can just talk a little bit about Marketing Humber, just for those that don't know, what is Marketing Humber all about? Marketing Humber, we're a not-for-profit organisation. We are the only regional organisation that markets the Humber uh, on the national and international stage. Uh, So we really focus upon the key sectors, upon the industrial strategy, and we work alongside local authorities, the LEP, public sector, but also the the private sector is is crucial to that message going out. Uh, And we we market the Humber as a great place to live, work, study, uh, and most importantly, invest, because we're all about producing and encouraging a sustainable future for, for now, but also for the next generation to come. And just to avoid confusion, many people are going to know this as bondholders, aren't yes. they? Bondholders is the, is, is the term. So what, what's a bondholder? I mean, Adenica are a member of Marketing Humber, so what, what are we as bondholders? So, so bondholders is a, a very fond term for everybody who uh, takes part and, and is a participant within Marketing Humber. Um, it's also a previous name. Uh, so we were previously known because we've been in the region for nearly 25 years now and active in the region. Uh, and bondholders was was a previous name. Uh, we rebranded to Marketing Humber because on the external stage, on the national and international stage, bondholders um, doesn't mean very much. Um, so we became Marketing Humber so that we very much were and did what it said on the tin. Um, so it's very obvious uh, on the national and international stage exactly which region we're talking about and what we're trying to do. Uh, bondholders, we still refer to all of our members and all of our ambassadors uh, very fondly as our bondholders. And of all the things that you're trying to do, of course, as we said at the start, the waterline. So this is a new campaign that you've launched. Um, you've partnered with University of Hull. Um, and this, I mean, it's mammoth, really, what, what it is you're trying to do here, uh, what Marketing Humber is trying to do here for the region, but really arguably for the world. So throw it th- throw it at us. What, what is it? What is the waterline? What are we trying to do? And just... Um, give it you know, full force. Absolutely, it is mammoth and it is, it is really ambitious. And it was really born out of um, the idea, I, I've been with Marketing Humber for two years, uh, and one of the really strong and key things that I was looking for was, you know, what is that product that we take um, out on the national and international stage as the Humber? And you're absolutely right. We look at what is gonna be a challenge and then we look at what the response we as the Humber could have. And so the greatest challenge that the world faces at the moment is climate change. And we always look at that opportunity to therefore put us on the global stage and try and tackle the climate change. The reason we think we're in a really, really strong position to do this is that we, in the Humber, we have the assets, 
Um, we have the industry, we have the ports and logistics, we have a lot of the critical industry that we need to transform and really produce this net zero carbon industry and the economic structure that goes around it. Now, if we can do that and prove it and demonstrate it in the Humber, then actually we have a huge global opportunity and market opportunity in terms of the IP, in terms of the academia, yeah. in terms of being able to really provide some of the solutions. And there are a lot of regions just like us, um, industrial bases on the coast, um, very much sort of low lying in terms of um, how we will be f affected by climate change. Um, and we, we have appreciated that we will be significantly impacted should the temperature rise, the sea levels will start to rise. Uh, and there are lots and lots of regions like us. So if we can demonstrate it um, for a region and a port in particular, an estuarial region, um, then this can be um, developed uh, and then extrapolated and really used across the whole of the world because we can't just respond as a region. You're absolutely right. Everybody around the world has to be able to respond. So it is ambitious. It, it is it is big. Uh, we have You're saying it with a smile on your no, face. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not holding the chair or anything. It's really no, good. Yet, <laughs> um, but we, you know, we we have partnered um, with the university, but also with with all of the businesses. Yeah. Um, so the university will be, be get, bring to us the academia and the research. Businesses will bring the actual projects of scale, some of which are already happening, some of which, which I know we'll talk about later, it's all about generating so that we really can have that full answer and demonstration to the package. Yeah. Um, but I firmly believe that we have all of those assets, we have all of the IP, and we just need to make it happen. So how, how, how has this come about then in terms of why, why have you partnered up with a university? It, was, it, was it from, were they the catalyst for this or were Marketing Humber the catalyst for this? Where was the original idea of? It really, it really was a, a, a joint process. As I said, Marketing Humber were looking for the, the reason and the product, you know, what, what were we going to take out on the global stage? Yeah. The university have got some really strong research and some projects that are emerging within the energy and environment um, institute and broader, um, you know, and and all of these research research projects actually touch upon the key sectors in and the industries. And alongside that, we have to remember where we're positioned with a local uh, enterprise partnership, uh, who have produced their local industrial strategy. And again, yeah. all of these threads have all aligned, so they're all focused on decarbonisation. Mm -hmm. So it's very much um, a partnership across many many people that will make this work. Yeah, yeah, and there's um, the, sort of the under, underpinning core of this is the uh, the five grand challenges, of course, from Mr. Right. Mr. Bill Gates, and um, this is kind of what this has been based around. And of course, I, I hadn't realised actually until I got involved in this that the Humber was um, such a high emitter of uh, of carbon across all five of those those challenges, um, which probably most people in the region or even in the country probably are una unaware of. But the science backs it up. Yeah, the science does. Um, in, in terms of uh, carbon emissions, we're the largest region in the UK by, measured by carbon emissions. Um, and, and everybody uh, imagines that uh, this is generated through, through energy and producing electricity. But if you look across uh, the five grand challenges, and they are within the sectors of, of electricity in particular, um, that's 25%. So you've still got 75% that we're kind of not really focused on at the minute. Mm. And that 75% includes agriculture, 
It includes buildings and people. It includes uh, manufacturing and industry. And it includes transport. And you just have to, I remember that. I was just about to say, I've got those written down in front of me. And I was just reading it as she was ticking them off the box. She's going to remember them. I've remembered them. Um, and and as, I, as I, you know, say each of those sort of uh, themes and those grand challenges, depending on which sector you work, you'll be, you'll be sat there and thinking, well, we know we've got double UK average in manufacturing industry. You know, and we know in terms of energy, yes, we're huge now in renewable energy. But we also have um, a number of refineries, yeah. uh, and, you know, in terms of generating and bringing energy in for the UK. Mm. You know, we're massive. So these are all critical industries. We've got huge swathes of farmland and agriculture, especially in, in Lincolnshire. Um, and in terms of buildings and people, huge estates um, and public realm buildings, you know. Mm. Um, so w- we have the assets um, and we don't have to say, you know, it's one of our key themes in Marketing Humber, but we're also the busiest ports complex for the UK in terms of tonnage. Mm. So in terms of having those assets, but also having all of that experience and knowledge, um, this is really where we're we're basing um, really why we want to put the the region down as that demonstrator, the sort of living lab that everyone talks about, about how we think um, we can really get the projects lined up to tackle all five grand challenges. It's not about tackling two or three, it's about all five. Diana, in, in those grand challenges, are there any specific areas that we've got the best opportunities to do something really good in? Oh. Well, there are, there are some that, um, you know, we are already global leaders in yeah. renewable energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we know that we have um, significant uh, projects and voice, I mean, in terms of the refineries, in terms of um, renewables, in terms of carbon capture, mm-hmm. we already have some really big projects in which we're leading the world. Um, so absolutely, you know, in terms of energy, it would be up there. But it's now about focusing um, on the agriculture, on the manufacturing and industry, because we can't just switch from one sector to another. We can't just switch off all energy that is created from fossil fuels. This, this creates our economy. In fact, it creates the economy, the economy for the whole of the UK. So it's about a transition. So it's about working alongside all of these traditional industries as well and making sure we transition to a net zero carbon economy. And that's where we've got to go. So we have we already lead the world in, in some sectors, but actually we could demonstrate uh, in a, across a, a much wider field how to answer yeah. this challenge. They're all, they're all interrelated anywhere. They're all like, interrelated, obviously, If yeah. you do agriculture, you use transport, use electricity, exactly. you put things in buildings. Yeah, so. and, and we're huge in import mm. and export yeah. because everything goes in and out of the port. So mm. yeah, absolutely, they're all interrelated. Excellent. Um, is there anything that really amazing that's happening at the moment, like a really cool project you can tell us about? <laughs> Maybe there isn't. <laughs> no, there are. There are some really cool projects. I'm not going to say too much no. because part of the Waterland uh-huh. Summit has a big reveal okay. at the debate. Um, but there are significant projects going on um, in areas that you would expect. Obviously, we've touched upon um, energy and carbon capture. But there are some really big projects about, you know, how, again, how we're going to need to transition. So a lot of this yeah. about behavioural changes mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And obviously, being the low-lying land that we are here and really um, looking at the impact that climate change will have on us, then obviously there are some big projects about how we will become far more water resilient and really live with water in a very different way going forward as well. You mentioned behaviour change because I think that's really good because I think in all innovation it's never just technology-led. There has to be technology is okay but people have to use it. So changing behaviour is is absolutely central but it's also the biggest challenge in a lot of cases it is. isn't it how do you get people out of their cars you know who are we going to get to change this behavior is it well um 
what I would like to see is that everybody picks up the baton and, and kind of thinks, yeah, this is my responsibility and this, is, this really brings us on nicely to, to the summit because uh, six months uh, into the campaign, uh, we're holding the summit on, on Thursday. And this really is about some, some key behavioral changes. So the reason we wanted to put on the Waterline Summit uh, was one, was to be able to reach uh, a much bigger audience. Yeah. Uh, and I would encourage everyone, as I said, this isn't about spectating on the sidelines. If we're gonna make this happen, then everyone has to participate. Uh, and this is everybody, uh, and the summit is to engage with everybody. This is from, from schools and the next generation through to existing businesses and businesses of all scale, um, whether you uh, run a chip shop, hairdressers, or whether you're building uh, renewable uh, energy farms. Um, this is everybody who has to get engaged. Um, so the summit, um, it's got exhibitions, it's got seminars, and it's got a, a key debate. And this is really about um, engaging, making people actually wake up and think, yeah, I'm part of this. But it's also about increasing people's knowledge and awareness. Um, so this is increasing knowledge of projects that we've already got running, yeah. projects that you can adapt and adopt yourself, whether it's within your own home life or within your business. And the third element is really that we know, although we've got some key ideas and projects that are running, that actually if we could touch base with the right audience, um, then actually we could multiply these ideas. Yeah. So the third part about the summit really is about generating ideas that we can then build into projects. Maybe we could pilot some, you know, get funding and pilot some within the region. And again, add to that demonstration of how we will answer the challenge of climate change. I, I think that's one of the really exciting things about it, isn't it? It's actually the involvement of people in terms of putting forward ideas, putting forward mm -hmm. suggestions. Um, I find that um, particularly in the region, like, I think everyone accepts that there is some form of danger of climate change because there's a lot of noise about it now. So when, when I say everyone, I say Joe Public, you know, we hear it on the news, we hear it on the radio, whatever. Um, I noted down before I came in, actually, some famous voices that are behind this. So, so David Attenborough is probably a big catalyst with with, with his TV, show, uh, TV shows that he's putting out around this, particularly around plastics in the, in the ocean. The Greta Thunberg thing is certainly um, made plenty of noise, particularly around the youth. Bill Gates, of course, the challenges. Um, also there. Leonardo DiCaprio does a lot of stuff you know so there's a lot of famous voices in the world that have probably been banging the drum about this for a long time and not and take away the famous people but the scientists and the people behind that who've been warning about it probably for 20 years or so so I mean or maybe more so why is it taking so long do you think to get to this point where it's actually in the public consciousness and is it enough in the public consciousness or is it just because we're having a little bit of a spike at the moment I, I think you're right, it is, is building in the public consciousness. Is it there enough? Um, the answer is still going to be no until you know, we can really come up um, with uh, a real increase. We, we need an exponential increase in, in the rate of our response. And that, that is the key bit to this. Um, because nobody has really taken ownership within their own lives, yeah. then we haven't yet responded. And you're right, it's been out there for 20 years. We've known this was going to happen. Yeah. But of course, as the pressure and the impact gets closer and closer, uh, and if science is right, and I believe it is, we will very soon reach tipping point, mm. and then it will be out of our control. Now, that is a scary place to be. Yeah. At the moment, if we can really start to respond and respond quickly, then it's within our control. And that is a really important thing. Uh, so yeah. that, that's, what, that's really why I think people are now beginning to think, okay, we've got a bit of pressure, 
we got, we got that pressure. And actually, if we don't respond, then the life uh, of the next generation, well, it's very different to what I imagined for my children. Sure, sure. I mean, and, and it's not just scaremongering, is it? I mean, this, this, is, this is real stuff. I know, you know, there's some doubters and things like that. But I mean, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have a business, if you have a house, then you should probably be aware of what's going on yeah. because once your feet's wet, they're wet, right? Okay, so, so I think that's probably the, the big point to get across. Like, how do you get the quote-unquote normal Joe Public people engaged in this? I mean, it's almost an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing, isn't it? You know, they accept that there's people hungry in Africa, but it's in Africa and we only know about it when it's on the news or whatever. They accept that somewhere around the world is flooding, but it's because it's over there. And it's sad and it's awful, but... It's almost because it's not affecting you directly or having that impact that almost it's hard to be take action around it. So I mean, how do you how do you engage the people in taking that action before they feel the the effects of it, so to speak? Well, again, this this really is Thursday is is the launch of this because this is making sure that we really get almost a movement of people. Let's be honest, yeah. you know, this is the size of, of what we need to create. We need a whole movement of people yeah. to make it happen. And I and it won't take many years. We're already, you know, just recently uh, in the last few weeks, I think that the events of flooding yeah. are going to become more and more significant. Sure. And we have seen them now in the region. Well, they will become more frequent yeah. if we don't respond. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, yes, we often think that uh, the disasters happen in other parts of the world, but actually even then, they're becoming more and more frequent. We're hearing more about them. Yeah. We're knowing more and more people who have been affected by them, whether it's you know the, the fires out in Australia um, or the floods in Doncaster. You know, Some of them are very close to home. Some of them feel a long way away. But actually, it's, we are all becoming more and more aware. And it really is i think i think the real real driving force will be um if we don't respond businesses and homes we will start migrating away from the coast that's what it means to us yeah we will not be living and operating here um as we know it i was speaking to some friends of mine the other the other week about this and was talking all about the summit but it was exactly that in what i was saying i was like you know you you're going to have to move buildings I mean, if, if that's not movement enough, you know, when you're physically putting your stuff in the van and you're moving somewhere because you, you can't remain where you are because you're going to be wet, then then it's going to be a problem for you. But why wait until you get into that point? And I think it's trying to get that without... Shift. Yeah, shifting. Yeah, without kind of perking and pointing and sort of like, quote unquote, scaremongering, you know, the, the, the facts are the facts, aren't they? Um, and you mentioned the Australia fire things that they're talking about the koala bears which you know beautiful animals are seen on the tv but they're um they're saying they're like they're functionally extinct now because i mean they have no habitat essentially you know as, as a result of which is i mean it's a disastrous thing in the world you know no, again you know. we're we're, we're change, change the whole biosystem aren't we and and you know we have to acknowledge that um as well and um, I, th I think you know more, more out of my sort of scientific realm. But as we start to change the, the ecosystem and the biosystem, actually, again, that has impact on on our human life as well. But at the minute, we're we're not really registering, yeah. um, and probably not seeing the effects of. So again, it feels as though it might be something that's not going to happen for so many years. Um, but the importance, I think, and the awareness uh, is increasing. And again, it, it is about having uh, the message uh, as broadly spread as we possibly can and getting engagement and that key yeah. engagement. And we're all hearing it through um, students uh, at all ages, you mm -hmm. know, primary school upwards through to, through to further education. Yeah. Um, 
they fully understand, you know, what it means for their well, future. So say, it's about responding. How much of a role does education play, actually? Because we, I suppose, you know, that whole saying of getting well they're young, so to speak, and get that message embedded in which I think is already happening as you say I mean I mean kids are screaming about this aren't they every day and they're certainly teaching adults um you know making them aware at least of the impact that things are happening um but do we need to be doing more in the education system in terms of it being part of the curriculum aside from you know the geography course that you're doing at GCSE or whatever but actually you know really getting that message across of um sustainability looking after the planet wildlife the understanding of that is more need to be done there Absolutely. I mean, we, we all we all have a part to play, and, and there is more to do. Um, I do know that within the curriculum now, yes, they build in sustainability in the circular economy. Interestingly, and I think one of the one of the, the greatest sort of um, driving forces is that schools, of course, exactly the same as businesses, are also becoming zero carbon um, uh, organisations. Um, so the whole environment that students are living in is driven uh, you know with the same message so we can do more of course and and i'm sure that schools and curriculum this will increase and it will have to increase and respond of course as the new ideas come up because we don't have all the answers just yet so this has all got to be generated so it will be technology it will be digital um there's a whole lot of innovation and behavioral changes have all got to happen and of course then that will start to drive the curriculum again for the yeah. next generation that will come behind because this is a this is a journey and a transition that will go on over the next as you know uh 30 years as we get towards 2050. it's uniting as well isn't it i mean yeah. i mean that's the thing because you with the summit you've got businesses coming down you've got school kids coming down you've got visitors the general public i mean everyone and anyone essentially is welcome to take part in this because it's everyone and anyone's responsibility is is, is the argument so I, I think as much of um people doing individually things, individual things rather within their own ecosystems, but actually together, it needs to be unified, doesn't it? Because it's not it's not enough. It, I remember back in the day, they would, they would say about kind of switching off your electricity on your TV and the people would say, well, that little red light on my TV, what, you know, what difference is that going to make? And of course, one person doing that, but 10 million people doing that would make a significant difference in, you know, it's a loose example, but I mean, but, but the idea of that, like lots of people doing one thing or uh, focusing on one action is going to, is what's going to be the catalyst for change. Yeah. And I think the important thing um, over that, that example is that actually it starts to drive behavior changes. Yeah. And I can give you another trivial example, but I will do so from my office in that we have taken, made, created a sustainability statement because, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, an SME essentially, a small team, we run an office so we have a, the same journey to take as everybody else and we have to walk the walk. One small change was that we completely switched the office off overnight and that includes the printer. So the next morning when we come in the printer's not on and of course we tend not to turn the printer on and because we're sat there working instead of getting up and turning the printer on we don't use it. Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting that sometimes we get to the end of the day and we've never switched certain appliances on, yeah. let alone used them. And these are the sort of behavioural changes that we're going to find that were you know, much bigger behavioural changes than that. Uh, and for instance, you know, you might, you might think, um, you know, if, if every waste output in your house could be used to generate energy that's coming in yeah, and you're nice. rewarded for that sort of behaviour, that's where we need, need to get to. So it is about how you think about your waste, but how you think about how you travel, how you think about the energy that you use, how you think about how you plant up your garden, because again, that's going to change how water is used. So all of these very small behavioural changes that will take place in your home, if you then add that together with your whole neighbourhood, 
If you then add that to the industry that's situated within your neighbourhood, and then you create that within a region. Because it's kind of, yeah, it's convincing yourself, isn't it? To some extent, my car was in the garage a few weeks back and it was in for about a week or so and it was driving me. I was really threatened about it, but then actually that whole week I would be walking in, based here at C40i, I was walking in and out to work, um, going to the supermarket, doing all the things that you do. And actually within a day or so, I've forgotten the fact that I still didn't have a car. Um, and it's amazing like how you would convince yourself that if I do, if I don't do this, or I'll be lost without this, or whatever. And actually, the changes, the physical change, is actually quite simple, isn't it? To to make those changes in terms of your habits, it's psychologically almost convincing yourself that you need to do that. So maybe there needs to be almost a an element of forced change to some extent, which they they try to do with a little, you know, in London they kind of have like the central charge, don't they, for congestion charge and things like that. So little things like that where they're sort of saying, well, okay, you can continue to do that if you want, but you will have to pay a penalty for doing so. Um, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, we we penalise everybody for doing everything, but there has to be a nudge in some directions. Yeah, probably. and, and um, you know, that there will be policies put in place um, and uh, that, that will help uh, our behaviours shift. Uh, there, there will be grants and opportunities put in place as well. It's a bit of a carrot and stick, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But th- there will absolutely be the nudges that we need for the behavioural changes. Um, but if we could really um, get the whole nation um, active and thinking in a very different way, then, of course, we make all of this far easier. Yeah. Um, and the less policies and the less sort of carrot and stick that will be required, because actually um, there will be a whole energy behind the nation that will make it happen um, and they have to go hand in hand we can't just rely on policies and nudges from the government either you know yeah. putting those in place won't won't actually answer every question yeah. um, it means we may be offsetting rather a lot more but if every individual reduced their carbon footprint both at home and at work then obviously um, the, the effect overall uh, will be far magnified and, that, and that's where we need to get to yeah, I mean, I promised myself that, I mean, within this podcast particularly, I was going to release, uh, remain politically neutral. So I won't mention particularly political parties, but we are in a general election in the UK. And like, ev- yeah. and everybody right now, uh, of course, all the parties are touching upon the green thing. But my, my point in this is I, I'm wondering, is there too much? It's easy to lean that way, isn't it? And sort of say the government needs to do this or that party needs to do that or they're not doing that. But actually... It, it's the, the responsibility of the masses, isn't it? Of, of the people, yeah. as opposed to they should do, do this or they should do that. Is it too easy to lean that way and kind of, you know, push the responsibility off almost? And we can't, we can't afford to push the responsibility off. And, I, and again, that, that is the key bit um, around the whole campaign and the summit. This is about, you know, we're in the best po- possible position if you can take, take control into your own hands and really start to generate those projects of scale. Um, now, they're, they're an opportunity, and they're an opportunity to take to government uh, and then say, right, well, how do we use this as UK PLC to really put the UK um, as a zero carbon country? Um, and then how's it replicated um, globally? How can we help the whole world get there? Um, so it is, it's, it's personal responsibility. Um, it's corporate responsibility. Um, it's a responsibility we have to take for the next generation. Um, but absolutely, we need to take it on board. And what, what's your vision? What's the vision for the waterline? So obviously we've got the summit. So this is the inaugural event. This is the big kickoff, yes. kind of make loads of noise, get everyone together, get ideas running. Out of this, 
where, where can it go or where, where do you see it going moving forward over the coming years? So the, the real legacy is uh, growing the voice and momentum, growing the output of ideas, analysing those ideas and actually putting them into practice. Um, and I can imagine um, we'll be, we'll be uh, bidding for grants, we'll be piloting schemes, some of which will fly and some of which will, may not make it because we may find that there's a better scheme that comes out of it. But the legacy of, of this summit, uh, and this really is the launch pad, you know, this campaign will run and run for years and years um, while we really get to grips uh, with what it means in terms of demonstrating a carbon zero economy. Um, and it's all about building that economic model. Um, we need to build the economic model to really um, sell the idea almost effectively, yeah. but sell it to businesses. Um, and that is really where we believe we can position the Humber. So for us, um, I won't say the legacy, but it feels as though we're going to be almost living the campaign for yeah. many years. Um, but in one, one year's time, uh, we've got the Climate Change COP, it'll be coming to the UK. Now, if one, one year's time, you know, we've got a real legacy that comes out of the Waterline Campaign, Waterline Summit, uh, and we can start to put an economic framework on the table and demonstrate the value um, then we're in a fantastic place. So in terms of milestones, we've got some fantastic and huge milestones to go for. Yes, they're ambitious, um, but I think we have to aim high and we have to be ambitious and we have to make sure that we keep on top of that legacy. Um, and it's, it's a bit like having a business development funnel of ideas, isn't it? You know, you, we need hundreds and thousands of ideas into the ideas funnel so that one or two or 10 will come out of the bottom uh, and in actual fact, they will really start to change the economic model and they will change the way that we are living and operating uh, and manufacturing and growing our food and everything else that you know goes on in, the, in this region. Then we will really start to change. So again, the legacy is for, for years. We need more and more innovation, more and more ideas that will start to fill this hopper. And I, I suppose there's an argument there to, to business leaders, really. I mean, if, if it's not of enough of a... Um, catalyst the fact that the, the, the climate emergency isn't enough of a, a thing for you to make you change your mindset, then maybe the commercial advantages might be enough to, to nudge you in, you know, because there's, there's real commercial opportunity in terms of if the Humber region being a test bed. I mean, we're already kind of doing that with the green energy thing and we have eyes of the world really on the, the, okay. the energy estuary, as we call it, um, uh, from all over the world. So, I mean, there's nothing to say that we couldn't do this in terms of decarbonisation as well. We can find solutions which could not only benefit our region, but also be leaders of the world for other estuaries, for other cities, for other people in danger. Um, yeah, so, so we, we absolutely. So we've demonstrated this really through the last sort of 10 years. We've had a real boom of investment um, and uh, the real momentum behind uh, sustainable growth within the Humber. So this has been demonstrated and we're leading the world in renewable energy. And that is absolutely fantastic. Um, we now need to turn that to the other four challenges. We need to continue growth and go into the next story for energy. And now we really need to turn to the other four grand challenges um, and build our response. And the economic opportunity, again, um, it's about investment. It's about making sure that we've got the infrastructure um, digitally as well as transport-wise. We've got the whole of the infrastructure here so that we really can attract the investment that will start to demonstrate these these opportunities and uh, these uh, new industries that will come to life um, and then obviously uh, we can start to replicate that around the world but the investment you know and the opportunity is right here
Yeah, and there's some ambitious stuff already happening, isn't there? There was talk of the Lagoon project that we went to the launch of the other day, which is, um, I mean, it looks remarkable. And, you know, it really, if you used to roll that out here and build this thing, it, I mean, it would look amazing, you know, in terms of not only um, commercially what the gains of that, of course, environmentally, the flooding reduction in, in flooding, what it brings to that as well. Um, and it's it, when you look at it, it, it looks incredibly ambitious, but you have to be ambitious, right? It's, a, I mean, it's an ambitious challenge. The whole thing is ambitious. Isn't it? Absolutely. And, and that's uh, a project that demonstrates, you know, how high the ambition has to be. Um, and, you know, who, who knows what we'll build, where we'll be in 10, 20, 30 years time. But I truly believe it will be a very different landscape here. Yeah. Um, and it's ideas as ambitious as that that we really need to start to look at. So, you know, how, how will we look at transport? How will we look at our flood resilience and how we're going to manage water? Not only from the tide that um, can give us the tidal surges, but also from surface water and rainwater. Mm -hmm. So we have to marry together all of these um challenges um that really are going to stretch us in terms of innovation um and therefore we need to come out with these, these ambitious projects and yes there might be a, a road it might be a road on stilts we don't know we might be living in houses on stilts um we're looking at a very very different um future going forward um and so you know i, I look forward and, and encourage you know ambitious projects to come forward because some sort of form of them will be a solution that we're looking for. Um, and we don't know what they look like right now. And in, in a message then to, to those that are listening in the, the Humber region, what, what's your message to them? I mean, why should they come to the summit? Why should they get involved? Why should they be interested in the waterline at all? You know, what, what, what's your message to them? Uh, my, mes my message is um, it involves everybody. It involves you, it involves your loved ones, it involves your businesses, um, and it involves um, every aspect of the future. So. It really is about, you know, don't, don't stand by and spectate, get in, participate, add your skills, add your experience, add your knowledge, add your enthusiasm and your energy, because we really need a whole movement of people to make it happen for the region, which then makes it happen for the UK, which makes it happen for, for the world. Um, and then we can start to control and look forward to a really sustainable future going forward. And of course, there's going to be some excellent exhibitors as well, isn't there, at the event? So people sh showcasing some what, what they're already doing in this world right. to do stuff, as well as a, a great keynote as well, or debate yes. with um, Dr. Gabriel Walker. Walker. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> absolutely. So we've, we've got ex exhibitors from all of the five grand challenges. Um, so we've got some, for, some from renewable energy, some from transport. Um, we've got uh, great, in terms of buildings and people, we've got some unexpected exhibitors in terms of like food management and um, obviously forests and, and trying to uh, put Hull back, back on the uh, UK map in terms of forestation. Um, and the, the exhibitors themselves, uh, it's all about the journey that they've been on in trying to really move towards uh, a net, net zero carbon uh, business or way of life. Um, so the exhibitors themselves are huge and varied, which is absolutely fantastic. The keynote speaker, uh, Dr. Walker, um, absolutely fascinating background. She's had a life, hasn't yeah. she? Uh, we, <laughs> yes. we read enough. I mean, there's some of the stuff that, all right, keywords that are going to pop out, guys. Piranhas was one. Yeah. Um, sneezed on by a humpback whale. Sneezed on by yeah. a humpback whale. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know what we've been doing with our lives, really, when you, when you say that. We, <laughs> if we anything, need to you're get out. get a good story, right? Yeah. This is... <laughs> exactly. But, but no, um, a hugely scientific background, and I think that's the key thing. It's that huge understanding 
um, and and over you know a, a long time. It's about that huge understanding of scientifically where we are and why you know we are facing these challenges. Um, Dr. Walker then moved into sort of re reporting and um, uh, more into uh, I guess a circular economy and sustainability. Um, and uh, now works around the world. Um, and I, I know, for instance, also that she's um, been uh, snorkeling on the uh, uh, coral reefs with David Attenborough, you know. And yeah. I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. Uh, what was we doing last week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but she, she's, she's joining us. Um, I've had some fantastic Amazing. conversations, you know. Uh, and, you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with every level of sort of engagement, really, with the Waterline Summit. Um, and, and we've had people ring us, you know, from communities and say, well, can we come and help on the day? You know, people Sorry. really are engaging and it's absolutely fantastic from businesses, from schools and from the communities and from, you know, uh, people like Dr. Walker, who has freed the entire day. So she's coming for the entire day. She's going to be at the exhibition. She wants to be in and amongst the students. She wants to learn from the seminars. Um, so we hope we get our facts right on those ones. Uh, so, um, but very much, you know, wanted to know in depth about the Waterline campaign, understand what was driving it, what she could add to it. Um, and most importantly as well, you know, what she'd be able to take away um, and therefore help in terms of that global challenge. Because again, if we can demonstrate um, the path that we all need to take, and that's an important message for Dr. Walker as well. Yeah. Um, so yes, thrilled, really looking forward to the keynote speech, looking forward to the debate. Um, there'll be a number of uh, sort of big reveals of projects of scale, um, and then a panel, a mixed panel, uh, to really talk about the matters um, that concern the audience. You know, and we, we've, we've filled the bonus arena. Uh, the audience will have the chance to, to ask questions and really air their concerns, yeah. and hear the, the opinions of Dr. Walker and the panel. Uh, on those on those concerns. Mm. It's a really exciting time, is it? The whole thing is really, really exciting. So it, uh, the summit takes place this Thursday? This Thursday, yes. 28th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you, the people can still sign up? They certainly can, yes. Um, we're getting very close to capacity on the exhibitions and... So move fast, people. Move fast, yeah. Where, 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 yeah. Do, where do they need to go? Yes. Um, if they go to um, marketinghumber.com, uh, they can get a direct link through the events website. Uh, we also have a Marketing Humber app, which you can download. Again, you can register directly through the app. And we also have um, a new campaign website, thewaterline.global. And again, you can register. Um, and I think most importantly, thewaterline.global, the we've created that up front of the summit because this is part of the legacy. So on thewaterline.global, you, you can pledge um, as a Waterline ambassador um, and really start to drive some behaviours. Uh, and you can also online submit ideas. So you can submit ideas from now onwards. Um, this, is, this is about submitting them. Yes, come along to the summit and add your ideas and really learn as well. But some people, you know, really introverted thinkers as well, you might come to your idea six months down the line. Mm -hmm. So this is the opportunity. You can always use that. And we want this to keep going, don't we? Because I mean, this this summit is the the, the start, but it is literally just the start. You yes. know, I mean, and you say dot global, but it is a global challenge. Yes. You know, and it's ever ongoing, and and we have to continue to keep working on these problems. Um, so yeah, I think it's really exciting. So thanks very much for coming on and talking about it. Um, the Humber region, if you're listening, get involved, get involved, get involved. I can only stress please it. Please, please do because it affects us all. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank thanks, you. guys. Thank you. Uh, The Willis Talks Podcast.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Willis Talks. If you enjoyed that, be sure to subscribe to the Willis Talks podcast and share on your social media channels. And you can also find me across all the social media channels at Willis Talks. Until next time, see ya.